BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay, guys, Aurora and Kristen are here with a very exciting guest. And today on Barely Filtered, we have the privilege of interviewing Callie Means. He is the founder of True Medicine, a groundbreaking company that advocates for the idea that food is medicine. Callie, a graduate of Stanford and Harvard Business School, has dedicated himself to exposing the flaws within the healthcare system and promoting a holistic approach to health. His upcoming book on metabolic health, along with his appearances on major media platforms such as Fox News, Impact Theory, and Tucker Carlson Tonight, have earned him recognition for challenging the status quo. Additionally, Callie's unique perspective as a whistleblower on big corporation adds depth to his mission of prioritizing genuine health improvement over financial gain. Today, we're going to explore Callie's insights on the healthcare industry, transformative power of nutrition, and his experiences reshaping the perception of food and health. And I need to thank AI Chat GPT for making that because I did not go to Stanford, unlike Callie, but thank you so much for being here today. Uh, yeah. it was, that was amazing. Honestly, chat GPT, it's oh incredible things. I mean, just, just right off the bat, like, how Who's do you... this guy? Yeah. First of all, you, I mean, you're clearly smart. We know that. But how do you have the balls to confront something like a Coca-Cola and be like, you guys are perpetuating, you know, lack of health in our country? Yeah, I've gone from a like basically Republican political operative, you know, working for Coke and Pharma. Now I'm basically a anti-pharma hippie and it's been a very <laughs> unexpected journey. But yeah, you know, working for Coke, you know, one of the things I've been talking about is there was an explicit mission, which was keeping kids addicted to Coke and having food stamp funding, SNAP funding go to soda. And we actually, I actually worked on that, like right out of Stanford. Wow. Uh, that was the mission. And it's such a normalized culture you know, at these companies and, and in this environment that I didn't even really question it, mm-hmm. but funneled money to how, how do you rig institutions of trust was the question and helped Coke funnel money to civil rights groups to say it was racist to to take funding away from of Coke for, for underprivileged kids and, and, and medical groups. Literally, you know, PR executives, consultants in D.C., I was a junior guy creating lists of professors at Harvard and Stanford who were doing research and, you know, research from Harvard saying sugar doesn't cause obesity is the foundational research. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is Coke bad for you? And we're not talking cocaine here. We're talking yeah. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Is it bad for you? It's that bad for you. Well, you know, you asked kind of what, what brought me to this. And, you know, I'm very moved by what you guys are talking about with kids. I just had my wife just had our first. And oh, I think it is. Thank you. And it's cliche, but it, it, it is crazy, like looking at these little kids. Mm-hmm. And for me, like thinking about the world they're going into. So a stat I, I really just can't get my head around still is that 
30% of teens have prediabetes. And wow. like a diabetes, you even say that, you're kind of, my eyes used to gloss over. It's like, what is that? Like diabetes literally is cellular dysfunction. Like, like if you have diabetes, you have a 98% chance of having at least two other comorbidities, at least two other diseases. Diabetes, blood sugar dysregulation is literally your cells not processing energy correctly. Mm. And it's the baseline of a bunch of other conditions. So we we act like heart disease, diabetes, even, even Alzheimer's now is called type 3 diabetes. You really have a very low chance of having Alzheimer's, which is exploding, of course, mm-hmm. if you don't have prediabetes or diabetes. So you, you take that down to kids. Yeah. And we've gone from a diabetes doctor, not once in their career 40 years ago, seeing a child with prediabetes or diabetes. Now, 30% of cases are, are among teens. It, it, it's absolutely an epidemic, you know, and then you take it to obesity, overweight, 50% of teens are obese or overweight. Over 20% of teenagers have fatty liver disease. So, so back in the day, just a couple decades ago, you wouldn't have a liver doctor see a child is only elderly alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So, so you take, you just kind of ask what's happening. And I just think, I do think, and again, like working for, for, for food, which is making us sick and then pharma, which is profiting from that 95% of healthcare costs are are on interventions after people get sick. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's how they make money, more sick patients, more money. You just got to ask about the incentives. But I think we're all being, and my simple point and kind of what I've tried to connect the dots from my previous experience is that the reason everything's happening all at once, allergies, autoimmune conditions, I think it's close to 35% of high school seniors qualify as having a mental health disorder, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's all connected. These aren't all siloed things. Right. You know, everything's happening all at once. And that actually, it's super simple. It's because of, of food. And, <laughs> and is it sugar? What's changed in our food? Yeah. So about 100 years ago, processed sugar didn't really even exist. Mm-hmm. And absolutely liquid sugar didn't exist. So liquid sugar is a weapon of mass destruction for blood sugar levels. So instead of eating, you know, what for all of human history was, you know, you had rare seasons where fruit would grow. And actually literally the fructose and fruit trains your brain to shut down your satiety signals. You actually are trained to like, because it was like, you know, the winter's coming. Mm -hmm, Literally, there mm -hmm. might not be food. You actually were well advised as a human when you saw fruit to, and fruit makes you fat. Like like Mm -hmm. sugar makes you fat. It actually was a way evolutionarily, and there's some great books called Drop Acid, about linoleic acid, which which, uh, is about something a little different. And then nature wants us to be fat goes, but there's groundbreaking science on this. So so sugar, particularly fructose, actually trains us to want to eat more. And that just used to be in fruit, which which humans had pretty rarely. Mm. We've actually isolated that in a processed form and among kids, sugar consumption has gone up 100x in 100 years. My uh. kids are sugar junkies. Well, the dopamine receptors eating sugar, and I, I don't really, you know, this sounds hyperbolic, but I really do mean this. And, and there's studies on this with brain imaging. It's indistinguishable from other drugs. Sugar, by all definitions, is a drug. And I actually think it's a more nefarious and dangerous drug because it's a little bit more subtle. It's not like right. shooting up with heroin. But the brain and what happens in the brain to a slightly different degree with a kid eating sugar is the same thing as looking at a heroin addict. I would argue, you know, if you graph the deaths uh, that are caused by drugs, you basically have the legal ones at the top. Sugar, by far, mm-hmm. if you trace what's happening with metabolic dysfunction, is by far the most deadly drug in the country. Then you have opioids, which are basically illegal, which which I actually, went after helping food companies 10 years ago, then sat across from pharma companies, which is the largest spender in D.C., actually helped on opioid campaigns to make sure opioid prescription standards were lenient. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of money spent on that. 
but 90 plus percent of illicit you know heroin overdoses are started on a legal prescription yeah. uh, and then you have, of course you go down amphetamines 20% of high school seniors are on Adderall yeah. so you actually have and those are like these are the drugs that cause the most deaths you know get into it, but you go down into drugs that are stigmatized that actually make you think LSD, mm -hmm. psilocybin, they cause the less death. So it's, it's kind of completely reversed. But yeah, the fact that we don't think of sugar as a drug and, and my message for parents, you know, it's not blaming parents. I mean, right. this is normalized. It's a lack uh, yeah, of education. Culture. Think about the first birthday. It's when they put their whole face in the cake. And I, my, I've actually, because I'm with you, I, I think that our food is kind of poison. And I, my kids know, like, my kid actually had a game and he said, don't worry, mom, I threw away the Cheez-Its because they're poison. I, they think it's poison. And I've had to train them almost because it's normalized to have all this shit. Because I would look at him like, what is this ingredient? And my rule is if I can't pronounce it, then I shouldn't have it. And certainly my kids. And it seems like it's this snowball. It starts with the food, then it affects their mental and physical health. And then there's there's a prescription or there's a solution for it that you can sell to them. Okay, y'all, us old folks, aka the 30-somethings, are still on Instagram. And if you are following me on the gram, you know I have been sharing my new obsession lately, which is AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I was tired of just having so many different types of supplements and wanted something, a single solution and something that was easy uh, that I can take on the road, take in the morning. And with the hectic chaos of school drop-offs with kids, I needed something easy and quite frankly, simple. I'm really trying to simplify my life lately. So I drink AG1 in my chaotic morning before working out, before making my coffee, before starting my day. I mean, I literally start my day with AG1. It is the first thing that enters my body. Maybe it's a placebo effect. Maybe it's the 75 plus vitamins and minerals that I'm getting on top of water that I mix it with every morning. I mean, talk about an amazing way to start your day. So it makes me feel amazing. It really does complement my workouts and I intermittent fast and I feel like it really helps that as well. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So just go to drinkag1.com slash barely filtered. That's drinkag one dot com slash barely filtered. Take ownership of your health and try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Check it out. So I have this memory when it was just me and Remy before I had two kids. Um, well, and the dad too, but he wasn't on this trip with us. <laughs> um, we went to the farmer's market and we bought all these mandarins and we squeezed them. We made fresh mandarin juice. And honestly, I feel guilty because nowadays I just don't have time for this sort of like, I don't know, there's just less time. He's in school and I feel bad because making really fresh juice is hard to do on your own. So this is why I love Squeeze Juice. Squeeze Juice is one of my favorite juice companies. Um, they make this mandarin juice that's just 100% mandarin juice. Um, literally, this is juice for the whole family. Like my kids are obsessed with this. And um, they're just something that I turn to all the time for my premium refrigerated juices. Um, it's a family owned company. And I fully support them in everything they're doing. They are doing such a great job. Um, I do have a code for you. It is barely, and that is 20% off first-time customers only. You can get that at shop.squeezejuice.com. Hey, friends. My name's Olivia Perez, and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. 
Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. So are the pharma companies in on this? Like, are they trying to help promote these food products that are going to eventually lead these people to then use their drug? So I just want to like, I'm just trying to break down just just raw stats and raw incentives here. Let's let, let's like stay yeah. out of anything yeah. conspiratorial. Let's just, let's just look at what's happening. So healthcare, this is shocking to me too. It's the largest industry in the United States. So take any major industry, oil, housing, whatever, more money, healthcare, more people are employed, more money is spent on healthcare than any other industry. That being said, it's also the fastest growing. It's mm-hmm. actually the largest and the fastest growing mm-hmm. industry yeah. in the country. And if you look at the economics of that, so you have so many people in every city in America, you know, the biggest, most beautiful buildings in every city in America, their hospitals, people are working at those hospitals, working in healthcare, working in pharma. How are their mortgages paid? It's very simple. If people are getting sicker, fatter, more depressed, more infertile, they're making money. If let's just take it as a child, right? A child that has prediabetes, which again is 30%, they are guaranteed, that child is guaranteed statistically to live a much more miserable life. They're guaranteed to have other comorbidities. They're inevitably going to have cholesterol issues and be on a statin, you know, probably weight issues. And now, of course, we're pushing Ozempic on 12-year-olds, which is what the American Academy of Pediatrics is recommending, which is almost wholly funded by pharma. They are recommending that obese and overweight, which is 50% of teens, go on Ozempic starting on age 12. Now, when do you think this this big pharma power, has this always been happening and we were unaware and media put a spotlight? Do you think maybe COVID saw, wow, look what we did with this vaccine. Everyone's eating up our shit and we made billions of dollars. We're going to work on, and they saw the hype of Ozempic and now they're trying to normalize Ozempic on the average person walking down the street in order to make money. What are your thoughts on on that? Did COVID start this? Yeah, so so let's break it down into a specific story on, on Ozempic. So I don't have really a problem with our friends taking Ozempic, paying mm-hmm. out of pocket. The real issue with Ozempic is that it's there's a huge push to quantify or to label obesity as a disease and have government funding for Ozempic for 80% of the American people. 80% of adults are obese or overweight, mm-hmm. which is going to bankrupt the country. And I would argue it's not, obesity is not an Ozempic deficiency. It's not the public policy way to to treat this issue. Obesity is a, it, it, the underlying cause is metabolic dysfunction. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that we're all unhealthy. It's one branch of the tree. We need to change our food system. But let's go into the incentives here. So I don't think most people sitting around the table at a pharma boardroom or doctors at a hospital are evil people like mm-hmm. wishing. Yeah. You're yeah. seeing like, how do we? <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually spoke off the record with a obesity doctor at a leading university And she told me, she said, if I could snap my fingers, I didn't get into this field so kids would get sicker. Yeah. And there's easier ways to make money, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But she said, I have a new obesity center. She works at Harvard. It's multiple floors, you know, $100 million, you know, build out. The the loans and the debt for that assume a growth in patients. Mm -hmm. She has hiring plans and is in charge of hiring people. She's like, if obesity goes away, if more children don't get obese, I'll have to fire everyone Mm -hmm. and nobody will have a job. So this incentive is like baked in and sitting around the, you know, know, pharma, which spends five times more on lobbying and public affairs than the oil industry. We all think about the oil industry being bad. Pharma spends five times more. 
No, like when you're sitting behind the closed doors, they're not they're not like wishing. They're not going home and looking in the mirror and thinking they're they're bad people. Mm-hmm. But nowhere during COVID were we talking about the fact that if you had stable metabolic biomarkers, uh, you had an almost zero percent chance of dying of COVID. COVID was a metabolic food based illness. COVID deaths was a foodborne illness, mm-hmm. and we spent trillions of dollars of airtime and resources pushing a pharmaceutical product. And not that that is a bad thing, but that that's a small sliver. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, yeah. like, like it's a small sliver, like, like, like cancer, many forms of cancer. I'm, I'm in this fight because my mom had prediabetes and abruptly was taking a hike and, and had a pain in her chest and realized she had pancreatic cancer. And 12 days later, it was dead and she was perfectly healthy. <gasps> wow. and, and at Stanford Hospital, Wow. The head oncologist at Stanford looked at us and said how unlucky it was that she got pancreatic cancer. You have all these cases of people getting cancer, you know, our, our parents or, or friends getting life-threatening conditions. And, and we always hear how unlucky it is. It's a tough break. These are not tough breaks. Mm-hmm. Cancer rates are exploding. Yeah. Kidney disease, respiratory illnesses, everything's autoimmune conditions. We all know friends with, with these autoimmune conditions mm-hmm. that never no, existed. Everybody. everybody. Yeah. Those were not a thing. Mm-hmm. So everything's happened. But, and it's not... These doctors are treating folks on the front line and in some respects doing okay work on a micro level, although I'd argue not really, but they're not asking, the incentives prevent them from asking what is actually happening, right? There's 40 times more spent on treating cancer once people get it Mm -hmm. than preventing cancer. That's where all the research money goes Mm -hmm. because research is funded by the incentives. Cancer is a preventable illness. Right. How do you prevent it? Yeah. So, well, yeah. Like, and also, <laughs> whose job is it? Like, who is the person who's, who needs to start the movement yeah. of, you know, and maybe it's us here to have in right. this podcast, yeah. just education. But, but I mean, like, it sounds like these doctors and the people who work in the pharmaceutical company, the people who work at, at Coca-Cola, it sounds like there isn't one moment that they're allowed to choose right over wrong because it's just a consecutive one decision after the next that like you almost just get so swept up into this world and you don't have a chance to like until you look back and you're like, fuck, I I was part of that. Yeah. Well, and also now correct me if I'm wrong, you would know more than I, but these doctors, because my dad had a lot of heart issues, had to have heart surgery and he's scared for his life every day. He's over 60. And I always ask him, what are you eating? And he'll explain to me, I'm like, that's shit. And I'm like, what, what does your doctor say? And he goes, he's never asked me mm-hmm. about my diet because he looks fine and he doesn't ask me. And, he, and I heard that doctors aren't trained unless you go in the specific field on nutrition. They're immediately gone into this is how you do surgery and yeah. this is how you sell a pill. Yeah. 80% of medical schools in the country today don't require doctors to graduate with one nutrition class. That's insane to me. Yeah. That's crazy. Because so, that's where it starts. So like... Sh- should we all just start buying? The thing is, it's like, you know, if you've ever been to a farmer's market and you don't want to pay $3 for an avocado or like, how are people supposed to eat healthy yeah. if they don't have the the financial means to do so? And is it possible to do it uh, without a, a huge budget? So there's a top down and a bottoms up. So the, the top down, we have an absolutely scandalous system where if you go into a grocery store, Coca-Cola is cheaper than mm-hmm. water for good reason, because there's so many subsidized ingredients in that Coca-Cola. I talked about SNAP, food stamps. It's, it's $150 million. Oh. You know, 15% of the American people depend on this program as their key source of nutrition. It's the supplemental nutrition program. That, you know, most developed countries have them. They're, we're the only developed country that 
can, that can go to poison, that can go to Coke, that can go to highly processed foods. In Sweden, you basically are encouraged and can spend that at, at farmer's markets. Here, it's a totally rigged system by the, by the food industry. So that makes food cheaper. We have tens of billions of dollars to subsidies. It, it, 80% go to the ingredients of highly processed food, corn, soy, wheat. 0.4% go to fruits and vegetables. Wow. More, wow. Uh, government, more government subsidies a year go to tobacco than fruits and vegetables. That's wild. So, so that's the type of incentives that we have. Keep us From sick. the top down, it's it's what I have the privilege of, of trying to push forward. We are trying to steer food as medicine. To that, that means that we need to actually, you know, you get medically advanced, uh, tax advantaged subsidies, right, to buy drugs. That's what insurance is, Medicare, Medicaid, mm-hmm. it's all saying that. It's all going to drugs after you're sick to basically yep. manage the statin mm-hmm. where they prescribe that and tell your dad, oh, now you can, it's a, it's, a, it's a basically a subtle message. It's you can eat whatever you want. Metformin, which, you know, if you're pre-diabetic, literally the American Academy of Diabetes, the group that creates the standard of care for diabetes care, which I helped funnel money to working for Coke, they accept millions of dollars from Coke. They advised until 2018 that if you take your diabetes medication, they literally said you can eat whatever you want. Yeah. That's wild to me because that's what my, with my dad, they said, you can eat whatever you want. You just have to take this pill every day for the rest of your life. And if you don't, you'll die. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a scary thing to have. And now he's on anxiety medication because he has anxiety. He's going to die. <laughs> and, well, and I'm like, I, and I, he doesn't eat anything clean. And then and I'm thinking I'm a new mom. I have a two month old and I'm trying to find, you know, I'm in this new phase of education of food and ingredients. And I'm trying to find formula for my child that doesn't have all these oils in it. And then I was told by another company that, oh, well, they say it's this ingredient, but it could actually really be this seed oil. So the FDA, it seems like it used to be, you know, oh, it's FDA approved. But now I'm like, if it's FDA approved, I don't know if I trust that. Yeah. Okay. You guys know I am a pro 420 friendly sister over here. And have you ever thought of mixing aphrodisiac herbs with THC? For me, I'm like, smoke a little J, have a little sexy time, makes for a great time, or makes for a baby in my case. But Via Hemp, let me tell you about them. Via Hemp have done the magic for us and created these amazing THC hemp gummies. So Via Hemp gummies can be purchased in all 50 states. Yes, purchased in all 50 states and shipped discreetly to your door since they contain less than 0.3% Delta 9 on a dry weight basis. So I personally tried the high love. This is THC libido gummies. So they are the ultimate cannabis libido gummies that will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and ignite pleasure. I mean, sign me up. I used it and all I can say is it works. <laughs> so if you guys are interested in Via Hemp, you guys have to check it out. Head to viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use the code BARELYFILTERED to receive 15% off and get one free sample on any order. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use the code barely filtered to receive 15% off and get one free sample on any order. You must be 21 plus to enjoy. They work, they're delicious. Check it out and don't forget to use the code barely filtered. Enjoy. Okay, guys, we are taking a quick ad break and we want to be honestly upfront. This is a paid ad, but we only do things that we actually use, that we actually wear. And my hippie co-host Aurora got me <laughs> on this cute little jumper, sustainable. I'm trying to take a page from your book. 
and it's from Quince. We've talked about Quince before, and it only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, which is what I'm actually trying to work on. I just got a romper that I copied from you. You actually took it out, and I was like, I'll have what she's having. And I'm really excited. I I learned about it from you. Yeah, I love Quince. I mean, First of all, all of their stuff is like staple must-haves. I I like their cashmere, but I also have a couple dresses that like people are are like, okay, you need to stop wearing that every day. (laughs) All of the fabric is such high quality. And they have this system where they actually cut the cost of the middleman by passing the savings on to us and just giving us the product straight from the source. So take the drama out of planning an outfit and upgrade your closet with Quince today. Go to quince.com slash barely filtered for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash barely filtered and get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash barely filtered. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash barely filtered and get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash barely filtered. Enjoy. So by law, baby formula has to include seed oils. Yep. That's a aggressively lobbied for. This is public record mm-hmm. by soy yeah. uh, farmers. And this isn't the case in any other countries, but we actually, for no other reason, we have to have basically glyphosate you know, ingredients and, and, then, and then highly processed seed oils Just in wild. baby formula. So again, you take you take each of these things, that soy farmer yeah. lobbying group pushing for that, what that has their research. Argument? The omegas? Yeah. Well, there's a, bu- a bunch of rig studies, you know, in the 1990s that the rig studies from Harvard funded, you know, saying, questioning, you know, meat, questioning mm-hmm. saturated fat, saying that we had to go low fat, mm-hmm. saying that the properties of seed oils, I mean, the food industry spends 11 times more on nutritional research than the NIH. Every nutrition, there's been 50,000 nutrition studies produced in the last just two years. These are literally just public relations documents designed to sow confusion. Yeah. Humans are the only animals and human and, and animals we've domesticated like dogs that have obesity, right? That have chronic rates of cancer and depression and diabetes. A wolf in the wild has like a 1% rate of uh, of obesity and like like almost a minuscule rate of cancer. 50% of dogs, domesticated dogs have cancer. Well, wow. what, what would you say to somebody who said like, well, you know, we all used to only live, the life expectancy was only 60 years old. And so we're only getting healthier because we're living longer. Yeah. So two, two points on that. And, and this is kind of my message. And it gets a little bit into kind of how people should think about this, I think, and, and, and why I hope this is a little bit of an optimistic message. So one is, I think we should acknowledge, like, we're living in a great time. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's great, I think we have existential threats. Oh, good, there's hope. <laughs> I think there's, like, existential threats. Like, I think we have more facing the world than, than ever, like, nuclear weapons and pandemics. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think healthcare is is big one. I mean, I think yeah. that if the American experiment fails, it's going to be c- because we're literally going bankrupt. It's 20% of GDP growing at double the rate. It's going to be 40% in 15 years. It's not slowing down. And we're becoming like Wally. We're becoming a non-competitive, you know, yeah. very overweight, depressed. Mm-hmm. 25% of, of, of adults are on a, on a mental health medication, which, you know, isn't necessarily good or bad, but it's certainly a societal dynamic we yeah. don't talk about. But it, it, it's existential. Why? Sorry, what was the... Why, uh, the question <laughs> was, what, what would you say to somebody who's saying, well, but yeah. we're living longer, so aren't we healthier? So so I think we've we've made a lot of strides. We always talk about the two times life expectancy in the past hundred years. If you really like dive into that, it was solves for acute 
issues. So it solves for issues that were going to kill you right away. Mm -hmm. So childbirth 100 years ago was more dangerous than get, than having breast cancer today for a woman. Childbirth, it was like 2%, like like 120 wow. years ago. Death, I mean, it was absolutely wow. the most dangerous act a human could do. So we we solved that. If you had a burst dependence, you were done for. If you had, you know, an imminent heart issue that you needed some, some surgery for, a gunshot wound, infections. So if you can name a medical miracle, I mean, we could we could think of some right? antibiotics. antibiotics. Yeah. If you can name it, I've done this a lot. But if you can name a medical miracle, you're almost certainly going to say something that was created before 1960. Mm -hmm. Vaccines, antibiotics, mm -hmm. emergical surgical procedures. These were all acute issues. And what the medical system did very systematically, actually, it was the Sackler family. It was the dad of the person who did Purdue Pharma for the opioids. The patriarch of that family in the 50s and 60s basically invented pharmaceutical marketing. And he said, we've got a lot of trust post-World War II for science. What condition can we have a recurring mm -hmm. pill for? Mm -hmm. There was never a chronic disease. Now it's 90% of spending is chronic, is, is pills wow. you take recurring. There wasn't one until the birth control pill in 1960. Oh, wow. And, I have lots and, of thoughts on that. And, yeah. So, so the birth control pill was the first pharmaceutical product in American history which was recurring, which mm -hmm. wasn't like you take yeah. the antibiotics, you're done. Mm -hmm. My mom's sister died from the birth control pill in the 70s, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a whole rabbit hole, but, yeah. but our hormones are being totally changed, and and we can, we can go down that rabbit hole. But that led, okay, what more recurring? Yeah. And interestingly, Sackler family, they identified anxiety for women. So they said, we can sell Valium. And that was one of the big blockbusters in the late 60s and 70s. And by the 1970s, 35% of women in the United States were on Valium. The mm -hmm. Time magazine cover was Valium Nation. And it was an absolutely like carpet bombed. And in the ads in Time magazine and all the big magazines, it was like worried about your husband or like, you know, it was very sexist yeah. advertising. Yeah, so totally. it was a very like, like purposeful strategy. Oh, and then of course they lobbied the FDA to create new categories. So, so we've, it's really just this culture of fear. And again, this mm -hmm. isn't a complete anti-drug tirade, but we've told Americans, you know, you can't handle your anxiety. 25% of Americans, they are on an SSRI. You can't handle your cholesterol level. You know, 30% of men over 40 are on a statin. You can't handle your blood sugar. Don't worry. Eat whatever you want. Take this. Even childbirth. I mean, you know, again, not not a judgment either way. I was born with a C-section, but 35% C-section rate is a high degree of intervention. There's a lot of money to be. I think I think there's a degree of like telling you know women you can't handle this. Like go to the, down this mm -hmm. go down this road. It, you know, I've, I know you've talked about your experience, but you know that's a personal journey. But yeah. we do have the medical system at almost every turn kind of keeping us in fear, taking us yeah. away from our innate kind of ability to kind of understand what's going on in our body. And that was very strategic. I mean, it, it was literally identifying new kind of chronic categories. You know, don't talk about eating healthy. Let's give a stat now. A trillion dollars worldwide have been spent on stats. Wow. Uh, cancer treatment, we spend 300 billion uh, a year right now. Cancer rates are going up. It's all, it's, so, so, so again, it's like, it's the incentives of the system. And to answer your question, I think we've done so many great things and we've, we have a lot to be proud of, but we've lost our way. We will yeah. we will go down for, for this. Yes. Right. And it's very basic. And again, this is where I didn't expect to become such a hippie, but we've got to get back to basics. Like, right. like, like, like and, and it's, it's bottoms up and you guys are talking about, every, you know, everyone from Joe Rogan to the health podcast, everyone's talking about metabolic health and these yeah. issues. They're best-selling books. Everyone's got their bio sensors. I do think people are waking up. I would say, honestly, if you can't, I'll just be blunt about it. I mean, if you have trouble affording the right food for your kids, you know, move to a smaller house. Like, I really do think, like, like I think it is, like, existential. It matters, um, yeah. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And, you know, like we're living longer, but are we living well? That's what I always And, and are you, you know, are you, are you getting Alzheimer's? Getting life. Or are you get, yeah, are you, are you living fully are in you life? living? Yeah. And then also just to touch on the, the pharmaceutical companies, aren't we the only country, correct me if I'm wrong, that it allows advertising for pharmaceutical drugs? Yeah, New Zealand allows a little bit, but yeah, essentially we are. Yeah, that kind of says something, right? Well, this is really, I think, important. So I think everyone's like, ah, yeah, I watch the, watch the dumb ad on TV. Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Like, uh, you know. They're kind of all funny, right? So pharma is over 50% of all advertising for news in the United States. Just think about that for a second, yeah, right? Yeah, and who's watching news too. Yeah, well, it's not, so So this is a key thing I, I, I learned working for pharma. The advertising has n almost nothing to do with convincing you as a consumer to buy the drug. Mm -hmm. It's a public affairs spend, which, which means it, it, it actually the reason they spend that is to influence where you're getting information. Mm. So let's just look at COVID, right? Let's look at the biggest issue in the world that we 30% of kids have prediabetes that were being brought to our knees from a budget and human capital standpoint on preventable conditions. There's almost zero curiosity from the media about that at all. Mm -hmm. The way we get information, I don't remember that many stories about how if you practice metabolically healthy habits, you almost had a 0% chance of dying of COVID. Mm -hmm. It was all about pushing a pharmaceutical yep. product. I, you know, I've been on this this terror, you know, and, and you mentioned Tucker and going on Fox News. This is a bipartisan message, I mean, yeah. about eating healthy. And I've talked to producers at, you know, NBC, CNN, things like that. They have a complete and utter mandate to not do stories on food or why people are getting sick and not do stories wow. on Talk about show me a negative show me a negative pharmaceutical story on CNN. For sure. So that's the reason the spend happens. It's to actually not influence you. It's a backdoor way of basically lobbying. Yeah, it's mm. like normalizing it. And yeah. that's what I always said with COVID. I'm like, they're pushing this vaccine with no studies and, and way too early, but they not once. I was like, what if they just gave everyone in the country multivitamins and a gym membership? Because yeah. they're, 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 who was dying? It was, for the most part, fat people. Right. Honestly. We have to, like, like incentives mean everything. Like, like if you, if, you know, really young people on Medicaid, which is the program that, you know, for lower income health, which is a much larger budget than the Defense Department, almost entirely driven by basically diabetes and related conditions. Mm -hmm. Like we're spending more as a government, multiples more on diabetes care than the than all of our national defense. Wow. And that's really what's bankrupting the country. And if you, you know, gave them a card that you basically could only buy organic food or paid them a thousand dollars a month to exercise instead of subsidizing the drugs, which costs more, you'd have behavior. Like there's public policy remedies. You know, another thing we did is when I talked about paying off uh, professors and academics, they make 
the regulations. So when you have the birthday party with the two-year-olds all eating cake, looking like meth heads running around, <laughs> yeah. you, you, they're actually following government guidelines. Mm-hmm. Those parents are following government guidelines. The USDA says that a 10% of a two-year-old's diet can be added sugar. And that's a farce because added sugar is, a, is an addictive drug. Didn't they just, FDA just come out with like the top, I think Joe Rogan talked about this, the top healthy foods and like Cheerios mm-hmm. was one of them or like right. some, some well, cereal. Cheerios, which is which is illegal in other countries because it has so much glyphosate. I was looking at the writing on it because my son is obsessed with Cheerios and the writing is like may help reduce cholesterol as a part of an like otherwise very healthy balanced life. On the Rogan (gasps) point, what he's referring to is the NIH Tufts Food Compass. So my partner and I were, were, he actually retweeted or shared something we wrote about that, uh, which was awesome. Got an angry call from the head of Tufts Nutrition School from Davos. You couldn't (laughs) even make this up. Like, you don't know what you're talking, you know, all the credentialism and stuff, but couldn't couldn't defend him. I asked him whether whether it made sense or impacted his theory or findings at all that it was largely funded by food companies. So this study, and this is how it works, that person who did that study, the most illustrious nutrition school in the country, Tufts, very respected, is propped up by food companies. This exact study was funded millions of dollars by processed food companies. They also took a grant from the NIH. So the NIH is able to give a grant, put that stamp on it to professors who've taken money from food companies. And then this study, which is the foundational nutrition study right now in the country, says Lucky Charms are healthier than beef. Lucky says, Charms. Uh, yeah, Cheerios yeah. are, no, Cheerios are rated higher than quinoa okay. as a grain. Yeah. The quinoa? Rated, yeah. Have you ever quinoa. seen a natural Cheerio growing in the yeah. wild? Yeah. Or orange juice. Yeah. So it's paying off. It's paying off the, the folks. Wow. And, and on the kids. What I, can we do I, for yeah. our kids yeah, yeah. as parents? Because yeah. I... I want to leave on a positive yeah. note and I want you to just give us maybe a few of your of of the tips or maybe something that a country is doing well or that somebody's <laughs> no. doing well that we How can about, emulate. Yeah, what could we do as like an average Joe, an average listener, what can we do to take control to prevent these diseases? What can we do and to for take our control? kids if they're already crackheads for sugar, right. which mine yeah. are. Right. So one optimistic thing is the conversations we're having like mm-hmm. aren't happening in China. I don't think they're not happening. I think one of the beauties of our system is we're, we're picking things apart and I do have hope because mathematically it has to change. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple mindset things. I think it is evil that parents and and individuals are being blamed for being bad parents or blamed for being lazy. Just a mindset thing, but we're dealing with a drug crisis. Our food, it's not hyperbolic to say it's being weaponized. There are very smart people, mm. you know, that have added a hundred times more processed sugar into our, you know, kids' food mm-hmm. to make that very addictive. The the science experiments on the natural flavors, you know, and, and the types of fats they're adding in these foods, they are literally as addictive as another drug. So we have to understand, like, it's not parents' fault. Like, like they're taking government guidelines and buying what they're supposed to buy, but we do have have this addiction crisis. So I, I'm going to try, my kid's very young right now, and we're really trying, he's, he's 16 months to keep keep this away from him as long as possible. But inevitably, it's going to happen. And I, I'm going to try to communicate. I think everyone needs to ma- learn from an early age how to manage their dopamine. I think dopamine just drives mm-hmm. the world. We yeah, go from our coffee to our drinks, yeah. to our drugs, dopamine to our pharmaceuticals. Nation. I just finished that yeah. book. Yeah. And, and this is part of it. And I just think it's all part of raising a you know, measured child in this crazy age where the phones and just the stimulation is just crazy. I feel food it. Is part of, so I just would put food in that bucket. It's it, 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 We've been kind of gaslighted because you kind of have to eat food, but it's yeah, like yeah. we're not eating food. 
As far as just tactical, there are three ingredients. If you can really work with your kids, and and in my opinion, it all boils down, you get 80% there if you look at three ingredients. So obviously we know about added sugar. And then seed oils, which you guys have talked mm-hmm. about. That's like canola, soybean, safflower. There's a million types of seed oils, unless it's like olive oil or avocado oil or butter, like it's probably not great. Okay. Seed oils, it's important, and this is my framework. Those didn't exist 100 years ago. It's the top source of fat right now. <laughs> Soybean oil is the number one single greatest source of American calories today. It did not exist 100 years and ago. And this is bad fat. So they're not keeping yeah. us yeah. fat. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, these, these are highly inflammatory yeah. oils. I mean, just to give it, go a step deeper, we used to have like a 20 to 1 omega-3 to omega-6 ratio for all of human history. And omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, omega-6s are inflammatory. Now it's it's basically been like reversed, mm-hmm. reading much wow. more. So, the, the, so our food is being, it's cheaper and more inflammatory. But, but, but even stepping away from there, we did not have refined sugar okay. 100 years ago. We did not have seed oils 100 years ago. And we did not have highly processed grains, which is the other key pillar of the American diet. Whenever you look at there and see any type of refined or processed wheat on the label, I mean, if you look at anything your kids are buying, it's amazing what American ingenuity can do with those three ingredients, highly processed grains, sugar, and seed oils. I'm thinking Honey Nut Cheerios, that's what my son has for breakfast so, like every so day. So Honey Nut Cheerios, I think there's like three different types of sugar because there's 46 different names for sugar on a label. That's there's wild. like two different types of grains. And then there's literally like three to four different types of seed What if you buy like yeah. an organic Honey Nut Cheerios? So I'd stay away the organic and all the stuff. And I think people are being very cynical for good reason because there's gaslighting on the labels. Don't look at organic. Don't look at anything. Does it have highly processed grains? Does it have seed oils? You go, it does have sugar. You go to Whole Foods okay. and get the, you know, or Erewhon. Yeah. Everything in Erewhon has seed oils. Yeah. These are mm-hmm. sneaking in everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you can just be, and, and then, you know, you, this, my, this is a new dietary fad. The framework I think we have to get to, it's very simple. It's like, what are we evolutionarily created mm-hmm. to eat? Even you Amen. look at meat and you just, you just start, you just start unspooling. And I, I'm, I'm very much on this journey too, but you look at a cow for all of human history until 50 years ago, cows ate grass mm-hmm. and the grass has much more omega-3s in it. So now it's much cheaper to just feed the cow's grain. That never happened. They're not made to do that. And the, the actual, what a cow is, what you're actually eating the nutrients in there are just entirely different. The mm-hmm. fat profile, for instance, is entirely reversed on those omega-3, omega-6s. The nutrients, some core nutrients that you expect to get from meat is like 90% lower. Wow. So, so you actually just the genetic, if you just trace, we're just not doing evolutionarily. I mean, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but our soil is getting totally depleted. Mm-hmm. And a tomato grown today organic has 90% fewer nutrients in key categories than a tomato grown in the United States 50 years ago. So it, it's just getting back to basics. If yeah. you are feeding your kids, whether you're vegan or carnivore, if you are feeding them trying to do whole foods, and if you eliminate those three ingredients, you almost have to get to whole foods. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. My, my sister and I are writing a book on this. And I think on the optimistic front, obviously a lot of you guys, a lot of listeners are on a path of curiosity. I just think we have been you know, sitting in with these farm and food companies. The curiosity and offer of the human body has been battered out of us. We've give, been giving a solution for everything. I think it's mm-hmm. like a spiritual it's crisis. A yeah. It's a spiritual but crisis. It's, a, it's yeah. an awakening because I think well, we're not really standing for it anymore. And we yeah. are getting curious and we're not afraid to ask questions. And I think one of the beauties of being able to do a show like this and to, you know, be able to read your books. This is like amazing. <laughs> and, and basically I want we need to move to a compound and farm. <laughs> yeah, and and in Sweden. <laughs> but we want to thank you so much. And we, I'm sure our listeners are going to take out, take oh, so, so much, much from this. Is there a place that our listeners can find more 
more of your work? Yeah. So I would go to my Twitter, Callie Means. I've never been a big Twitter's th- your, your thing. Yeah. Well, in the past year, I've been trying to call this stuff out and, and be on a, on a bit of a war path, working with a lot of members of Congress from both parties to try to change legislation, writing a book with my sister. But Twitter has a lot of the information, a lot of the links. And my company's TrueMed, and and that's writing food prescriptions. So Ooh, that's what our company's wow. doing. So, so actually... If you have a doctor's note, literally that simple, saying that eating food or exercise is good, it counts as a drug, basically. It counts as medicine. And we use the HSA, FSA accounts, which a lot of people have. Usually people wait to get sick and then get drugs with them. If you have a doctor's note saying you should eat pasture-raised meat, you should eat these organic vegetables for your kids, and you should exercise, you can buy your Peloton, you can buy literally uh, fresh groceries. Why didn't I think of that? Wow, genius. But that's the movement we're really talking about. I I think the most important issue in the world, the fact that the largest industry in the country is incentivized for us to get sick instead of money going to keep us healthy, to exercise and to eat, you know, Mm -hmm. eat well is a huge problem. And we're trying to change that true med. And and, and my Twitter has a lot of information about that. But thank you guys. Thank you so much. Protecting your kids. Both of us. Thank you so much. Check them out on Twitter and join Aurora and all of our families on a compound. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.